This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, being a God who reveals yourself to us, Lord, that we don't have to live in the darkness of hope so not sure. But Lord, thank you for the Bible that and the voice of your spirit this morning that, that brings us out of that darkness and takes us into the uh, I know in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew chapter 17 is where we are, verse 1 here. And uh, please follow along. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James and John his brother, and bringeth them into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Okay, so now we come now to chapter 17. It starts with these words, and after six days, it wants us to see that because it's six days from when? Six days from the time of Peter's great confession of who the Lord is. He says, Jesus, you're the Messiah, you're God the Son. That was a great confession. It's been six days since then. It's been six days since the Lord told the disciples, yes, but I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. Six days then, since then, six days in the Bible is very symbolic for the time of work, 
And that's the time when God did his work of creation in Genesis 1 and 2. And after these six days, it's symbolizing a great work of atonement. Then comes the seventh day, a day of rest. And that's what's really going on here. We live in the six days of our work on earth. Our rest hasn't started yet. We're so tempted to take this time of our life, these symbolic six days of a work in our lives and say, no, this is my rest. I'm going to now rest. I'm going to now take it easy. But God's response to that is Micah 2.10, Micah 2.10, where it says, arise ye and depart. This is not your rest because it's polluted. It shall destroy you even with a sore destruction. But we do have a rest according to Hebrews 4.9. 4.9 is coming where it says, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that's entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor or work, therefore, to enter into that rest. Okay, now six days, and now we read in verse one that how Jesus takes three. Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up. Now, Peter had just had this tremendous stumbling or fall at the mention of the cross. Remember in the last chapter where he says, oh, that be far from you. Don't save, don't talk like that. You're gonna suffer and die. Tremendous problem that Peter had and he needed to have his sight restored of who Christ really is. So remember, he started off, he said, oh, you're the son of God. Then he hears about the cross. Oh no, that can't happen to you. The Lord said, get behind me, Satan, it is going to happen. And now he's confused, and so he's going to have his sight restored now by this transfiguration. And we can picture the Lord as the great physician looking out at Peter and saying, you know, you need to be healed. You've got a disease of unbelief. And so I've got the perfect healing for you, Peter. You're going to see the law, and you're going to see the prophets in the Old Testament bowing now down to me, and you're going to hear the voice of God the Father. So the Lord here is providing this perfect healing experience of the transfiguration, and he takes Peter, and not just Peter, he takes Peter and James and John. Who are they? They are the chosen of the chosen. He's already chosen the 12 apostles, and now he's choosing three more in there, and these same three are who had also been the ones that he had brought in to the place where Jairus's daughter, dead daughter was, and saw him raise her. So they had seen that. There are also, these are the three, the chosen of the chosen, that will be taken to the Garden of Gethsemane. They will see him in his agony. They will see the drops of blood, and he's chosen them. And you have to just wonder when you see something like this, say, why these three? Why were these three, why were these the chosen of the chosen? Why were these three? Why not uh, Matthew? Okay, he chose Peter, because for one reason, Peter was going to play in the future a very key role in reaching the Jews for Christ. That's going to be Peter's role. He chose John because John is going to write the simplest, most clear gospel book, the book of John. He's also going to have this great revelation and write the book of Revelation. And he chooses James because he's going to be the first apostle to be martyred, to be killed. So, and for whatever other reasons they were, these are the chosen of the chosen that he's chosen to experience a foretaste of Christ in his glory. So these three would never forget this. This is going to be a monumental, life-changing experience. 
Peter is going to refer back to this later on in his book of 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18, 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18, when Peter's going to say, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, he says, majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. He's talking about this time now. He's talking about this experience. So he's chosen this three. They've climbed up this mountain. And what happens in verse two? He was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. Luke and Mark also relate this history. In Luke 9.29, it says that as he prayed, as Jesus was up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. So this was a brief moment in which the Lord Jesus, in his essence, sort of laid aside his human body that he wore and his essential nature permeated from the inside of him to the outside. Now, in order to see this correctly, we've got to remember what the Lord Jesus Christ was wearing, what he was wearing. We've got to remember what he was dressed in. We've got to remember what his clothes were, so to speak, because what he was wearing, how he was dressed, what he was clothed in is described for us in Philippians 2.5. Philippians 2.5 says, Philippians 2.5-8 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So these verses, Philippians 2, 5, and 8, are giving us a description of what the Lord Jesus Christ was wearing as his clothes. His clothes are, Philippians 2, 7, the form of a servant. He was clothed with, Philippians 2, 7, the likeness of men. He was found dressed in, Philippians 2.8, Philippians 2.8, being found in fashion as a man. So that's his clothing. And we got to remember who was wearing those clothes. Who was wearing those clothes of the likeness of men, the fashion of men, the form of a servant? Because underneath the clothes of flesh, underneath the clothes of flesh, he was Philippians 2.5, Philippians 2.5, Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, this was God underneath these clothes of flesh. And what is happening here on the Mount of Transfiguration is that his glory as God is shining through the clothes. He's shining through the clothes. On this Mount of Transfiguration, those clothes of flesh just could not, at this time, conceal his glory. And the glory breaks through the fabric of flesh that he's wearing, and this is what's happening here on this mountain. It's his glory, it's irradiating, it's shining through the form of a servant that he's wearing. And these three there have been chosen and chosen, they're the ones who are seeing it. And two words here, 
kind of paint the picture for us what's going on, the two words in verse two, verse two. He was transfigured, and here are the two words, before them, in front of them. It was before them. It was before these three, Peter, James, and John, that they saw all of his glory shining through. That's the power of those words, before them. Before them shows that it was only these three, only before these three. They got to see the great permeation through his flesh. They got to see the blaze of this radiant glory before them. Before these three was this revelation of the essential position of Christ as a member of the Godhead. And this is what the transfiguration showed. There was a miracle. And you could think, well, no, the miracle is seeing all the glory. No, no, no. The real miracle is the ability of his flesh that he was wearing to veil or to conceal this divine glory that had happened for all of his life and would happen until the end of his life. That's the miracle. No one on earth saw this divine glory except for Peter, James, and John. And no one else saw this divine glory. That's the miracle that no one saw this glory that was in him. That's the miracle is how could flesh prohibit the shining forth of this divine glory to all other people on earth that, that saw him. That's the miracle. It was not a miracle to see his glory. It was a miracle to have his glory concealed by that flesh. And for this brief moment, this miracle stopped of his flesh concealing the glory. And Peter and James and John, and Peter described it as we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's what he called it, majesty, in 2 Peter 1.16. 2 Peter 1.16, eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, in this seeing of this glory, there are two aspects that Matthew calls out. First, his face, and second, his clothes are called out. It says in Revelation 1.16, Revelation 1.16 describes Christ as he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance, his face, was as the sun shineth in his strength. So it was like the brightness of the sun. Revelation 10.1, Revelation 10.1 says, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head and his face was as it were the sun, his feet as the pillars of fire. Isaiah describes this. Isaiah, in Isaiah 60, verse 19, Isaiah 60, verse 19, where Isaiah is talking about heaven, and Isaiah says, the sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. The sun shall no more go down, neither shall the moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light and the days of thy morning shall be ended. So he's up there with the three, Peter, James, and John, and they're not alone because in verse three, we read, and behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Now, this point here is very, very surprising that these two, Moses and Elias, should, Elijah should appear. As a matter of fact, here now we have the first use of three times for this word, behold. In verse three is the first of three times when behold is gonna appear. And behold is really expressing an amazement of it all. It's expressing a, 
this is hard to process. It's expressing a, this is hard for us to take it all in. It's saying, this is just kind of hard for us to keep our eyes open. The word behold tells us that how sudden this happened and how unexpected is such a surprise. There's Moses. Moses, Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher. It's really Moses. He's standing there. He's so calmly talking with Jesus. I mean, uh, Moses, last anyone heard of Moses was that he took a walk with God to some mountain to die, and then God buried him in secret someplace, some unknown place. That's where last we heard of Moses. Here he is, he's standing there, very much alive. And there's Elijah. Elijah's there. Elijah, imagine. Last we heard of Elijah, he was picked up by a chariot out of the sky. No one ever saw him again. No one ever heard of him. He never died. But there he is. Moses and Elijah, and they're both talking. And Peter is like, uh, wow, this is a Kodak moment, Peter's thinking. You know? If only Peter had a camera, if only Peter had ever heard of a camera. you know, uh, That's a million-dollar picture there. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah sure like to have that picture, Peter is thinking to himself. Never heard of it. And they're talking. Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus. And Peter is thinking, man, if I only had a picture of this, where's the palette? And I want to paint it, you know, can be like a memorial site for everybody to see the sight of Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Oh, that'd be terrific. And Moses is thinking, Jesus, Moses, Elijah, memorial. And these were not imaginary people. These were real persons, and he knew it. And there was something very special about them as well, as described in Luke 9, 29. Luke 9, 29, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with them two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory. See, that's special. They appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with them. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. <laughs> Moses and Elijah, there it is. Oh boy, what something this is. Well, now you got to ask the next question. Why Moses? Why Elijah? There's a lot of other people, you know. Why not Joshua? You know, what's wrong with Joshua? Why not as Isaiah, David, King David? How about King David? He's pretty prominent in the Bible. These two are important, be Moses and Elijah. They symbolize the whole of the Old Testament. They symbolize the whole of the Hebrew Scriptures, the law and the prophets. Here we have Moses, lawgiver. We have the prophet Elijah. And the Moses and the prophets... They wrote about Christ because just as Philip promised Nathaniel, now at this point, Moses and the prophets are here. They're focused on and they're talking in there. But in John 145, John 145, Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Here he is. He's the one who Moses and the prophets wrote about. And here's Moses. In the law, the symbolism of the law, and the prophets symbol led by Elijah, they're there. So these three, Peter, James, and John, they see for themselves that Jesus was not as others said about him, that he was, the oh, they remember in the last chapter, some people say you are Elijah. Some people says you are Jeremiah. 
They could see for themselves that he was, as described in Hebrews 1.4, Hebrews 1.4, being made so much better than the angels, he hath by an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Ephesians 1.21, Ephesians 1.21, they could see for themselves that he was far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. They could see for themselves from the Colossians 1.18, Colossians 1.18, that he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now, it was also now obvious that the cross, because they're talking about the cross, the cross was not something so degrading and shameful. It was going to be an admirable, admirable, admirable accomplishment, what he was going to do. And Moses and Elijah are talking about that. Moses and Elijah are not just standing there with Christ. It says in Matthew 17, 3, verse 3, verse 3, Behold, there appeared unto Moses and Elijah talking with him. They were talking with him. Now, they were talking with him. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall? Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall there listening to the conversation? This is not the president of the United States they're talking with. Well, that doesn't matter anyways. But anyway, this is Jesus. This is the king of the universe. This is the creator of everything. He's the creator of every man, every, every angel that there ever was, everything. He's upholding everything by the word of his power. He's the person who's holding atoms together. He's the judge of every man. He's the person who holds the keys to heaven and hell. He determines who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. He's the king of Israel. He's going to fight and defeat all the enemies from Israel. He's the one who's going to establish Jerusalem as the center of the earth. He's going to reign from Jerusalem. So if you had a chance to talk with this person, with this Jesus, the creator, God Almighty, what would you talk about? Which one of those great topics that I just listed now would you want to talk to Jesus about? Because Moses and Elijah have the opportunity in verse 3. In verse 3, Moses and Elijah are talking with him. What were they talking about? Were they talking about him as a, talking about him when he did his great work of creation? Were they talking about how he saved Israel from the Egyptians? How he parted the Red Sea? Save the Jewish people, where they're talking about how he's going to defeat the Romans, how he's going to other interested people. And in Acts chapter 1, wanted to talk to him about was he going to establish the kingdom for Israel now? Were they talking about the future of Jacob's trouble when all the nations are going to converge to destroy the Jewish people in Israel? Were they talking about how he's going to destroy all those nations? So, which one of those great subjects are they talking about? Moses and Elijah, when they're talking to Jesus, none of them. None of them. They're talking about Luke 9.30, Luke 9.30. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They're talking about the Lord's decease, his death, his upcoming death. That's what they're talking. That's what's burning in their hearts. Moses and Elijah, the death of Christ, of all the things to talk about. The death of Jesus, it sounds like such a morbid topic. It's a strange thing to be discussing. What would it be like if after church today, you found a friend and you said, let's go out to lunch together. And you're sitting at the table across and you're looking at each other and it says, what should we talk about? And your friend says, your death. <laughs> let's discuss your death. You'd say, my death, it's such a morbid topic there. Can we talk about anything else other than my death? That's all they wanted to talk about, Moses and Elijah. They just wanted to talk about the death of 
Jesus. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.